Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. Arcseedkits.com. Make sure to go to TimCast.com, click join us and become a member to support this podcast and all the work we do, and you'll get access to exclusive uncensored segments from TimCast IRL and way more. Now, let's jump into the first story. Well, it was a hell of a weekend. Donald Trump posted on Truth Social that he's going to be arrested on Tuesday. Now, I think the Trump camp is walking that back. And what the media is basically saying is, you know, Trump puts out this truth social where he says, and now they're saying they're going to arrest. Well, what Trump said was now they're going to arrest me on Tuesday. And what I think Trump was actually saying is that's what they're claiming in the press, that there's going to be a formal arrest of Donald Trump. Now, interestingly, with all of this is Elon Musk tweeting, if this happens, Trump will be reelected in a landslide victory. Let me uh, let me play this clip for this from the 17th, actually from Friday. This is uh, uh, Viva Fry says, if this happens, it'll be the beginning of Trump's reelection. And then Elon Musk says, if this happens, Trump will be reelected in a landslide victory. So I assume most of you have probably heard the news already, but there are developments. And because it's supposed to happen tomorrow, there's a lot of stuff we could be talking about. I mean, you've got more banks collapsing. That's going to be fun. But uh, following up on the context of the Trump arrest, as it will likely be the biggest story in the world tomorrow, I think matters. And then we'll follow up on the banking crisis collapse and all of that good apocalyptic stuff in the later segment. But here's what happened on uh, this is actually the story started Friday. We have this report from TimCast.com. Former President Donald Trump has posted on Truth Social that he expects to be arrested on Tuesday and called for people to protest and take our nation back. The Post received mixed feedback from commentators on the right, as many noted that he did not pardon the January 6th protesters before he left office. Isn't that interesting? In a post written in all capital letters, Trump, well, I'll just show you the post. He says, uh, uh, it's page two. So actually, do they have the first one? This is the uh, second post he actually made. He says, now illegal leaks from a corrupt and highly political Manhattan district attorney's office, which has allowed new records to be set in violent crime and whose leaders funded by George Soros indicate that with no crime being able to be proven and based on an old and fully debunked by numerous prosecutors, fairy tale. The far and away leading Republican candidate and former president of the United States of America will be arrested on Tuesday of next week, protest and take our nation back. So here's the latest development as of this morning. Trump's potential arrest hangs over Capitol Hill. Now, I know this this was a tough morning. I got to be honest, because I really didn't want to do a segment on a story from three days ago. But because this it's a new week. Some of you may have missed this, and it's the biggest conversation talking point. I wanted to go over where we're at so far. 
And I think I have a, a post. Here we, here we go. I think I had a post from uh, Dave Smith that I want to read. And then we'll talk about the hilarious context of the Trump arrest. Dave Smith tweeted. Uh, he's the comedian and potential libertarian presidential candidate. He says, in all my life, I have never seen a more blue pilled take than people celebrating that a president isn't above the law because Trump's being charged. Yes, of all the crimes committed by presidents, bribing a porn star is clearly the worst, if that's even what happened. And then, of course, we have my response, which is not here. It's uh, here. Obama killed a 16 year old American citizen. The funny thing is, I, I got more retweets on my adding the context to Dave Smith's tweet than Dave Smith's tweet. Because, well, as much as I found Dave Smith's tweet to be the most important context of this attack on Donald Trump, showing how ridiculous it is, I had to add the context that Obama literally murdered a kid. I can hear every time I bring this up, I can hear all the collective liberals and leftists being like, how dare you hit didn't do it. You're lying. You're far right. Abdul Rahman Alalaki, a 16 year old American citizen who was dining at a civilian restaurant that was blown up in Yemen by the Obama administration under orders from Barack Obama. And we've never gotten a good sufficient reason as to why we were drone striking a civilian restaurant in a country we are not at war with and why it happens to be that we killed the child of a jihadi, an American citizen as well, Anwar Alalaki. The argument for Anwar is that although he was an American citizen, he was a jihadi, so Obama blew him up. But Americans get a criminal trial and charges. They don't just get blown up. Now, fair point. If he was an active enemy combatant, well, then you're a, tra- you're a traitor. It's seditious. It's treason, etc. But I'm not sure that's what it was. I think he was preaching jihad. And then, of course, Obama killed his son. And I think that was done as a message to say, we will kill your children, because I don't see any other reason why they would do that. Now, of course, the administration argued that actually it was a mistake and they were targeting somebody else. Spare me, spare me. Here is where we are this morning. The updates on Trump's potential arrest. Reporting from The Hill, they say the potential arrest of former President Trump is hanging over Capitol Hill this week as lawmakers prepare for and react to what could be the first indictment of an ex-president in U.S. history. Trump suggested on Truth Social, this we know. Also this week, a House committee is scheduled to hold a hearing on TikTok, which will feature, feature testimony from the platform's chief executive and blah, 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 blah. Trump's Saturday arrest warning set off a political firestorm of the weekend, with GOP lawmakers running to the ex-president's side amid the looming indictment. So basically on Friday, we hear they're planning to arrest Trump. Then Saturday, Trump tweets out or he truths out, they're going to arrest me on Tuesday. I think Trump doesn't have any advanced knowledge. I think Trump made the mistake of watching Fox News and then just, you know how Trump is. He posts about it as if it's true and then everyone assumes he knows something. I guess the, the Trump camp came out and said, no, 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 there's no formal information. We don't know. Trump is just talking about the news. They're going to say, on Saturday, hours after Trump posted on Truth Social, Speaker Kevin McCarthy said he was directing relevant committees to immediately investigate if federal funds are being used to subvert our democracy by interfering in elections with politically motivated prosecutions. And they are. The issue is it's a state level thing in New York, not federal, because these people are evil. You see, and I talk about civil war, people are like, oh, it's not going to be a civil war. When a state criminally indicts or tries to, the front runner in a presidential election cycle, and, and, and we're in one. Come on. Come on. 
Here we go again, an outrageous abuse of power by radical DA who lets violent criminals walk as he pursues political vengeance against Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. During a Sunday press conference at the House GOP's issues conference in Orlando, McCarthy said he has spoken with Rep. Jim Jordan of Ohio, chair of the select subcommittee on the weaponization of government about the matter. This applies directly to that, and I think you'll see actions from them. Now, a lot of people are saying that there's no federal crime. In fact, the, uh, the, tr- uh, the Trump team is saying that the statute of limitations. Uh, let me see if I have this one. No, that's Chris Rock. Where's the other one? Uh, here we go. This is from the Daily Mail. Trump claims the statute of limitations has already passed in Stormy Daniels case as his ally Robert Costello prepares to testify against Michael Cohen in grand jury with ex-president bracing for charges. This is important. Uh, this, this was, I think, Mark Levin on Fox News pointed out that they've known about this for six years and they've done nothing. Why? They wanted to use it. Well, so, so I don't know if he said this, but I'm saying this. What are they going to do with the Stormy Daniels thing that Trump allegedly had an affair and that he allegedly paid her off? I don't even know if the story's true. She denied it before. What are they going to do with that? Slap on the wrist charge? It's a waste of time. They needed something to go after Trump and they needed it to stop the next election, to stop his next election. So, of course, they waited. Well, for a misdemeanor charge like this, slap on the wrist. But also, I believe the statute of limitations is two years. It's been six. Here's the story from the Daily Mail. Uh, he posted as lawyer Robert Costello said to testify. The former president wrote on Truth Social, they are many years beyond the statute of limitations. In this instance, is two years. More importantly, there was no crime. So a lot of people misunderstand how a statute of limitations works. They believe it means that if you commit a crime, let's say the statute of limitations for, you know, shoplifting is a year. They think that if you commit a crime and then a year goes by, you can then come out and be like, I committed that crime and you can't do anything because it was a year ago. It's the discovery of the crime. Meaning if you come out and say something like, you know, I committed this crime a year ago, they'll be like, well, we've just discovered the crime. You're under arrest. Wait, wait, but the statute of limitations. Yes, the discovery of the crime. They have one year. The point is not to be like, oh, no, they committed a crime a year ago. We can't do anything about it. The point, like, the, the, the point is so that if they discover it, they know it happened. They have to act. They can't just sit back and then hold that against you and wait until they decide, like what they're doing with Donald Trump. That's the issue. McCarthy on Sunday added that people should not protest in response to a potential Trump arrest an apparent attempt to tame Trump's calls to his followers amid concerns over political violence. Yeah, Trump doesn't have a good track record with calling for his, his supporters to protest. So I would I would say the smartest thing you can probably do is not protest, because I don't I don't I don't know what you can accomplish by going out and marching other than giving them an opportunity to false flag or something, which probably will happen anyway. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, 
When it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Tim Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. I don't think people should protest this stuff, McCarthy said in Orlando, when asked about Trump's statement suggesting that Trump was calling on individuals to educate people about what's going on. He's not talking in a harmful way, and nobody should. Nobody should harm one another in this. And this is why you should really make a law, make law equal, because, in, because if that was the case, nothing would ever happen here. So here's what I think with this crime with Stormy Daniels. It's happening in New York because they know if they go at the federal level that it's going to create, it's going to create an opportunity for Republicans in the federal government to do something about it. And with the Republicans controlling the House right now, albeit by a small margin, if there was a federal move made against Trump, and you know they're salivating, desperate to do it, the D.C. Bureau of the FBI or something like that, if they actually did, then the Republicans in the House could make some moves, you know, uh, get some, file some subpoenas, get some people to testify. They could stop that in its tracks. So I don't know. I don't think any of us really know if Trump is going to be indicted and arrested. The argument is they want to do like a formal perp walk. We'll see. But my friends, I think Elon Musk is right. If Trump is arrested, he will win in a landslide victory. Absolutely. And I'm seeing a bunch of these leftists say things like, if that were true, you'd be begging for his arrest. It's like, well, I don't know if I'd say I'd be begging for his arrest. I'd say you'd be cheering it on. Well, I don't know if I would be cheering it on because there's a negative with the positive, right? It is very, very bad that the Democrats are so psychotic and evil that they would arrest Trump to try and stop him from winning the presidency, despite being the front runner for the Republican Party. I mean, that's psychotic and evil. Don't get me wrong. Trump said to lock up Hillary Clinton, but he never actually did. So when, they, when, when people were like, I can't believe Trump was saying to arrest Hillary. Hmm. Well, there's questions about the Clinton uh, uh, Foundation and things like that for sure. But, you know, it is dangerous precedent to say that you're going to arrest a former senator or secret, uh, secretary of state. I get it. If they actually go after Donald Trump on trumped up charges, I mean, this country's gone. And I feel like we're already getting there anyway. And you guys know I feel that way. But I don't, I don't know what you expect from me or anyone else to believe when New York State, which is a Democrat stronghold, obviously not the northern part of it, is using the might of, of New York City to stop a presidential election. Think about what that means. New York City is basically saying to the rest of the country, F you and F what you want. West Virginia's MAGA country. Okay, I'm out in West Virginia. I love this because you guys know I hang out at the poker tables. I say this all the time. But this is a local, local hangout spot. Everybody playing at these tables is, is for the most part, you know, on the weekends are locals. And they say you're not allowed to talk politics. But boy, I tell you, when, you, when people start talking about it in a veiled way, everybody supports Trump. There was maybe one or two people who were kind of like they didn't like him. But this is MAGA country, 100%. So for New York to say they're going to arrest Donald Trump or to imply they will, and this is an attempt to stop him from running 
or to damage his campaign. This is New York saying, we know we can't outvote you red states, so we will destroy his campaign with lawfare using this, the power of our state, our government, our law enforcement. Tell me we are not approaching some kind of civil war. New York state saying, I will use like this DA, these politicians, these Democrats, we will use state force to make sure that the votes of West Virginia, of Montana, of, of Texas, of Florida don't matter. Florida, better example. New York says, how can we stop a president from winning when we know he's got the votes? Doesn't Florida get a say? Doesn't Pennsylvania, swing state, Ohio? Don't these states get a say on if they want Donald Trump? New York is throwing uh, spokes, I'm, I'm sorry, throwing a wrench into the spokes of the Trump campaign. Now, a lot of people said, are a few, uh, some smart people have stated the, the point of arresting Donald Trump is not to put him in jail. It's to drain his war chest, to suck up as much time as possible, basically to strap a weight to his ankle to make it harder for him to run for office. Because if they subpoena him, if they have him having to appear in court or things like that, how is he going to campaign? And what does that mean for Florida, where Ron DeSantis is winning bigly? Now, Ron may run himself and maybe people of Florida vote for him for president. But also at the same time, people in Florida might not vote for DeSantis for president because they want him to remain governor. In that regard, we'll see. We'll see. But, you know, you just got to get ready for what's going on. Kate Corrigan says George Soros gave $1 million to Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg's campaign. In 2022, Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg reduced 52% of all felony charges to a misdemeanor. While murderers and rapists roam free in New York, Bragg is politically persecuting our 45th and 47th president, Donald J. Trump. 45th and 47th. I do think Trump is on track for re-election. I don't know for sure. And I think it's just based on current economic, uh, current economics with the banks collapsing and all that stuff. Of course, you can take today's context of a major bank collapse and Trump winning in the polls and me saying I think he'll win. And then by the, by the time some, you know, we get to the election, which is not for a year and a half, then the, you know, the world will be completely different. Trump could have a peg leg and an eye patch and be flying around in a dirigible. And they'll be like, Tim thought he was going to win. And it's like, dude, at the time, the economy was in the gutter and Trump was the front runner across the board in all the polls. Why wouldn't I think he's going to win? But things can change. You know, if your brain's not that big, maybe you don't understand the context around the time in which a news segment, an opinion segment is aired. Anyway, that being said, I do think it's absolutely fascinating that you have this DA who is ripping New York to shreds. These people are like supervillains. They're like, we will let all the criminals roam free. I mean, this is literally a plot of Batman. The, the Joker breaks all the villains out of Arkham Asylum, and he's the bad guy. And, he's <laughs> and Trump's like Batman in this analogy, I guess. Isn't that funny, though? This is like, the, uh, like what the supervillain would do. All of these different cities releasing their criminals onto the street is the plot of a comic book. The bad guys do it. Yeah, here we are. How exciting. How eventful, I suppose. So we have this uh, video. Proud boys try protesting a drag queen story hour in New York City and promptly get beat up by New Yorkers. So I tweeted, American Civil War II, pedophiles versus Nazis. 
And then a bunch of people got mad. They're like, how dare you insult the Proud Boys? What, and how do they even... You, listen, they're screaming Nazi at the Proud Boys, and people on the right are screaming pedo at the, at the, at the leftists. That's my point. It's the unflattering view. I don't care who you think is right. My point was each side is screaming that at the other. Now, to be fair, I don't think the Proud Boys are Nazis, and I don't think the Antifa people are pedophiles. I think the Antifa people are protecting pedophiles for the most part. That's kind of the point. And I think the Proud Boys are just nationalists, and they're probably the opposite of Nazis for the most part, except for like the nationalism. But like, that's like saying Hitler drank water too. The Proud Boys, probably more conservative, libertarian-leaning, but they won't tell you that they'll lie, cheat, and steal because that's what they do. What I find interesting about the whole thing is that the left and the right is basically collective versus principle. We have this, um, this viral moment that won't stop going around of Bethany Mandel, she's been on Timcast IRL before, struggling to define the word woke. She doesn't do the worst job, actually. That's why it's really funny. Like, oh, she couldn't de- define woke. Well, she said it's kind of this ideology that we should dismantle uh, society and replace it with hierarchies of oppression or something like that. And it's like, OK, yeah, this is fairly weak. But they're like, haha, she couldn't define it. And it's like, well, I, look, I, whatever, man. But this clip is going viral. And I think it speaks bigly to, uh, uh, to, to, to what the culture war really is. Obviously, there's a million and one people who can define what woke is, and I personally believe that I have the best definition, and I believe um, it is the correct definition, and that is, as I've talked about ad nauseum last week, it is the modern left liberal culture that was, de- that was built by social media algorithms. That's all it means. And the reason why I explain it that way is that a lot of people are like, actually, woke is the idea of postmodern theory where they want to dismantle. No, 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 no. I mean, those things are all there, but the average leftist in the street right now screaming in defense of drag queens, they don't know any of that stuff and they don't care about any of that stuff. Woke is just the cult-like adherence to the left liberal culture that algorithms made. That's all. When people try to define woke, they typically will hyper-target one component of it. They'll say, woke is when you want to groom kids or woke is this and woke... Those are all little pieces of what the left is doing, but it doesn't define what woke is when someone says that person is woke. All, all you need to understand when someone's like, oh, is it, is it woke? Is, is it adhering? Is it, is it following cult-like adherence to the modern left liberal orthodoxy? That's, that's what woke is. Because when Bernie Sanders went on Bill Maher and says, I don't think we want equity, we want equality of, outcome, of opportunity, then Cenk Uger's like, of course, that's what everyone agrees with. Nobody wants equity. Equity doesn't exist. Despite the fact that every company's got a diversity, equity, and inclusion officer now. Not every, but many. So equity doesn't exist, but corporations are hiring people for it. Anyway, my point is this. The left, they're going after Trump because they're deranged zombies. That's it. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online. 
up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. And they're lying, cheating, and stealing to gain power. All they do is march like zombies. They have no principles. They have no goals. It is a zombie horde. Where does that leave us? Donald Trump may be indicted tomorrow, but they don't understand what they do. The indictment will not hurt Trump. It will help him. Many world leaders were arrested, and we've talked about that too. People get arrested, they get, they get persecuted and prosecuted, and then they come back out, and then they're more popular than ever. And I don't know that Trump will actually go to jail, but it will create such a massive press storm and massive backlash that I believe people will probably vote for Donald Trump. But I don't know for sure, because I am not a psychic. But when I see this stuff, I just feel like, you know what, man, fighting is coming. So, you know, I just got to give a shout out to the best TikTok I've ever seen, from at video cameras on on uh, on TikTok, and this woman says uh, how to survive the coming economic crisis with the cost of living going up. And uh, simply put, here's my top three tips. She says, first is going to be uh, f the government and get some chickens. You thought we were gonna, you know, uh, it's it's loud. I'll, I'll turn it down. I'll, I'll just play it. Let's here we go. Cost of living's getting a bit f***ing expensive, isn't it? So here's my three top tips. You can survive the upcoming economic crash. I mean, obviously the first step's gonna be government get some chickens. What you thought we were gonna do some government shit without saying buy chickens? No. Yeah. What you want the economy to have a say in whether or not you eat breakfast? Cool, bro. Enjoy that. Could not be me. Look at these little heads. Look at this one. Look at how dumb she looks. She makes me feel good. What do you reckon, government? You heard him. Government or? Oh, sorry, did I say three tips? I just meant one tip. Yeah, get chickens. Keep getting them. Government. Acquire 32 chickens. Good luck. Yep, that's uh, that's about where I'm at. So uh, Phil Labonte sent me that video, and uh, it is it is the best video. It is correct. Get chickens, ladies and gentlemen. The economy is crashing. People are fighting in the streets. They're threatening to arrest the former president, the first indictment of a former of a former president ever in U.S. history. And it may happen tomorrow. And if you have not gotten out of the cities and gotten chickens yet, well, then good luck. But I'll leave it there because still a lot to talk about the economic crisis. We got breaking news this morning about more banks collapsing. So that's going to be fun. UBS is apparently going to buy Credit Suisse. First Republic is tanking. Oh, boy, here we go. You know. I mention this all the time that I'm at the casino playing poker. It's, it's relaxing and fun. And uh, it, you, you're just talking with the locals about stuff. It's good. It's, 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 it's grounding, right? And everybody's sitting there being like, well, bet the money while you can, because who knows what's going to be worth next time. So I'll leave it there, man. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. As America is bracing for a possible indictment of its former president, the international banking system is collapsing. And uh, how's your Monday going? CNN Business reports as of this morning, UBS is buying Credit Suisse in a bid to halt the banking crisis. Now, I don't know a whole lot about what that means other than we've had several major bank failures in the past couple of weeks, some of the biggest in history. 
They're continuing still today. And Credit Suisse is one of the biggest in the world, and it's about to go under. So it is apparently going to be bought out by UBS. I do not believe that one bank buying another stops the problem. And I have this long thread, a Twitter post explaining why we are going to enter hyperinflation and, well, advocating for Bitcoin. Ah, yes, Bitcoin. The story I just tweeted about and a story I love to tell. And I thought about putting my $5,000 savings into Bitcoin in 2011 when it was at 70 cents per Bitcoin. If I did, and then I never touched that, I'd have about $200 million today at its peak around $500 billion. But I mean, the reality is, even if I did buy the Bitcoin, I probably would have spent it when Bitcoin hit $1,000 and I would have been like, wow, I'm rich, you know, half a million dollars, you know, almost a million dollars or whatever. So hindsight is 2020. But here's the point. That $5,000 in savings that I had, I've never spent it. Never. Still to this day, I have never spent it. Isn't that crazy? The buying power of that money that I was holding on to in USD because I was worried about a rainy day, I never spent. Nope. But if I had just bought the Bitcoin, I could be on my own private island somewhere. Mm. Well, again, again, hindsight is twenty twenty. But the reason I bring this up is not to talk about the lamenting of a failure to invest properly, because truth be told, I could have invested a lot of money to say Square, for instance, the payment processing company. I put like a thousand bucks in that a while ago and uh, really great investment. But a thousand bucks turns into like three thousand. It's like, sure, whatever. You know, I could have put way more money in that. And I'd also be very, very happy. So I'm not going to cry about it. My point is just this. U.S. dollars are garbage. That $5,000 I never spent, its buying power has dropped dramatically compared to Bitcoin. Now, I get it. Bitcoin's a new tech or whatever. But here's the point, ultimately. The banking system is collapsing. The dollar is garbage. And this Ponzi scheme of financial system makes literally no sense and is about to go belly up. Now, I get it. This is the news. UBS is buying Credit Suisse. I'm sure a lot of you are probably like, I don't know, whatever. Well, we got more specific news from the Daily Mail. First Republic shares crash 37% in pre-market trading after credit rating is cut again, despite $30 billion rescue package from 11 major banks as global markets jitter in wake of UBS buying Credit Suisse. So the point is just this, my friends, even with this major bailout, it ain't working. First Republic is still going down. So what does that mean for you? Well, I guess it means that the whole thing was a big scam. The market is crumbling. First Republic is now down around 18%, so it went up a little bit. Doubts persist about its rescue plan, and confidence is everything. One of the reasons all these pundits come out on TV during financial crises and say, everything's better than ever, go buy, 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 is because of the self-fulfilling prophecy of the Ponzi scheme government. See, the system works because you have faith the system works. If you believe the money has value, then the money has value. That's what they're banking on. So if all of a sudden everyone believes it's worthless, the economy ceases to function. It's quite imaginary and based on the confidence of people, which is really kind of funny. You know, people have confidence in gold, right? And the problem is they can't print gold. So they decide to print paper dollars. And then because there's some random person seemingly with control of this, confidence can be shattered. I don't know if there's an easy system to build up confidence in a global economy. Maybe Bitcoin's it. I'm not sure. Bitcoin's through the roof. But yo, 
it seems to be coming and it seems to be getting worse. I have this tweet from Balaji on Twitter. Balaji is a Bitcoin guy, nearly a million followers, and he sees this tweet from James Medlock. Medlock says, I'll bet anyone $1 million that the U.S. does not enter hyperinflation. All right. First, uh, I might be interested in that bet, to be completely honest, because um, I don't think I'd lose the money. But we got to settle some definitions first. What do you mean by hyperinflation? I mean, if we're talking about the price of eggs going up to six bucks from $1.80 a couple years ago, is that not hyperinflation? Oh, no, he's going to say, no, I mean that one day it's six, the next day it's 12, and a day later it's 50. And it's like, okay, you can define it however you want if you want to avoid paying the million dollars. But Balaji is a braver man than I, and he says, I will take that bet. You buy one Bitcoin, I will send $1 million USD. This is around 40 to 1 odds, as one Bitcoin is worth $26,000. Actually, right now, it's worth around $28,000 because it went up. The term is 90 days. Let me uh, pull this up. All we need is a mutually agreed custodian who will still be there to settle this in the event of a digital dollar devaluation. If someone knows how to do this with a smart contract, we can do it on chain so I can send USDC. It's digital currency. If you won't do that, name a custodian. Balaji, here's the problem. The problem is, what's the definition of hyperinflation? Now, I know a lot of people are not big into crypto and they don't know a lot about it or they don't like it. They think it's bad. That's fine. My point is simply this. The bet is on. The dollar is tanking. The banks are crumbling. And this means you are going to have a hard time buying things with your dollars. And that's already the case. Hence the story I just told. The, I, I, it's not about the Bitcoin. Everybody laments not buying Bitcoin when it was worth a penny. Duh. Because its value skyrocketed so immensely in the past decade. In your lifetime, if you made that one $1,000 purchase, you could be a millionaire. Granted, if you bought into Bitcoin when it first came out, you'd be a billionaire. Isn't that crazy? That if I put all that money in Bitcoin when it was at 20 cents and I never touched it, I'd have like a billion dollars. Man, what do you do with all that money? That's kind of crazy, isn't it? The point isn't the Bitcoin. The point is that the dollar has become increasingly worth less. I'm not going to say worthless because dollars still get you something, but worth less. Here's the uh, extended statement from Balaji, who goes through in great detail what we're experiencing with the banks with sources. Yo, you ready for this one? Because uh, I hope you all have gotten prepared. How many chickens do you own yet? Okay. Balaji says, Just as in 2008, the bankers lied. This time, the central bankers, the banks, and the bank regulators have lied to all dollar holders and depositors. This isn't your typical fractional reserve situation. The problem is that there isn't enough in the banks on a mark-to-market basis to cover withdrawals. They knew this through all of last year and communicated it internally in their coded language. It's obvious from the graphs, see below, the central banks, the banks, and the banking regulators all knew a huge crash was coming. The phrase is, quote, unrealized losses. What the does that mean? Unrealized losses. Okay. Well, I'll put it this way. If I buy a car and that's $10,000 in cash, then the car uh, stops working. 
the car now drops in value to $1,000, but it's just sitting in my garage. I don't touch it. I don't think about it. I have an unrealized loss of $9,000. Sooner or later, the bill comes due. I'll need to drive the car or sell it, but I don't have that value anymore. It's gone. They never notified you, he says, the depositor. Instead, the regulators allowed banks to hide their literal insolvency in footnotes until one guy figured it out. It's Uncle Sam Bankman Freed, just like SBF used your deposits to buy ish coins, using accounting tricks to fool himself and others into using the money. So too did the banks. They all used the deposits to buy the ultimate ish coin. I'm, I'm trying to avoid swearing, but basically saying like trash crypto. Long dated U.S. treasuries, and they all got wrecked at the same time. In the same way, because they bought the same asset from the same vendor who devalued it at the same time, the Fed, the Federal Reserve. Specifically, as New York Times admitted banks binged on enormous amounts of treasuries and other long-term bonds in 2021, when the flood of printed money cut off their typical demand for loans, and because they thought the Fed would keep interest rates low forever. The idea, super simply put, I'm not a financial guy. You buy treasury bonds 2%. That means in X many years, you'll see a 2% return. Interest rates will stay low. So inflate, your, your, your bonds are beating inflation. It sounds good. Now, oversimplified, and I may, I may be getting this one totally wrong because I was listening to a space from some financial guys, and basically what they were saying was, now what's happening is these treasury investments have a lower return than, than inflation. So they're basically losing tons of money. And that that's that's collapse. That's what it is. Here we go. He says they had a good reason to believe this. Powell said he got patient on rate hikes as late as November 3rd, 2021. Then he got renominated on November 22nd, 2021 and hiked rates much faster than anyone had expected, which even Yellen and the FDIC admitted caused the current banking crisis. Why did Powell delay? Probably for political reasons. Presidents don't like rate hikes, especially running into this election, into the election year of 2022. And Powell thought he could wait and just be like Paul Volcker, who was firm and then defeated inflation. But the world isn't an 80s rerun. Hiking from 10 years of near zero interest rates in the 2010s was a surprise attack on every dollar holder. Economics isn't politics. The kind of insane flip-flops you see in politics don't work when there are actual contracts involved. So anyone who bet on long-term treasuries got killed in 2021. And now everyone who bets on short-term treasuries is going to get killed in 2023. The absolute worst place you can be is to have large amounts of assets locked up in three-month treasury bills. The 5% interest rate offered by big banks is a trap. Most fiat bank accounts are now a trap for those countries whose central bankers followed the Fed. He says, check my references. I provided quite a few. If you trust U.S. bankers and U.S. media, ignore me. Otherwise, buy Bitcoin and get your coins off exchanges. Woo! I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if you should buy Bitcoin. I only tell you this. I bought Bitcoin a while ago. Learned my lesson. Let's play another story for you, my friends. It's another morning and you're all set for work. You grab your coffee, head out the door, and your car decides today's the day it won't start. Panic sets in. You're not just late, you're stranded. Get ahead of unexpected car repairs before they strike with CarShield. 
the most trusted vehicle protection company. For almost 20 years, CarShield has saved millions of drivers from repair nightmares with low monthly plans that cover up to 5,000 major parts and systems, like pricey transmission and engine repairs and check engine light mysteries. Visit CarShield today at carshield.com carlson. Plans include unlimited miles, 24-7 roadside assistance, help with flats, lockouts, and rental car options. Save 20% and get a free quote by visiting CarShield online at carshield.com slash carlson. Don't wait for the next surprise. Choose peace of mind with CarShield. Go to carshield.com slash carlson and save 20% today. Uh, you're not supposed to talk about this stuff, uh, but I will. In 2011, I did not buy Bitcoin. I did, however, receive some from friends And early in the days, there was this thing called the Bitcoin faucet where you got like 0.05 Bitcoin for free. Could you imagine? Woo! What is that today? Like $1,000? I think that's, yeah, I think that's about $1,000 for free if you got it 10 years ago. Thousand bucks, man. Anyway, then a few years later, um, like a a, a year or two later, uh, I received maybe like 20, 20 Bitcoin from fans who had been following me and wanted to donate. However, around this time, I think it was, I, I, this, I think it was like five bucks. So I, I can't remember exactly when the Bitcoin was sent to me, but I had like 20 Bitcoin when it was at five bucks. And I was so excited. I sold it immediately for about $400. And I was like, guys, I just paid the rent. That's amazing. When I received the Bitcoin, it was only like 50 bucks. And now it's 200. I'm out because who knows when it's going to fall. If only I knew. Well, I learned my lesson. And then around 2015 or 16, I actually bought some Bitcoin. And oh boy, am I very, very happy that I did. Now, I am by no means anywhere near a Bitcoin millionaire or anything like that. I would say that I probably didn't learn my lesson good enough, but I bought some and I have some savings and it's valuable and going up in value. So I'm excited that's the case. Granted, if the U.S. dollar collapses, then this whole company, this business collapses. So become a member at TimCast.com, I guess. Although I suppose it won't really matter in the end if your dollars you send me don't do anything for you. Don't do anything for me to pay my employees. But I won't starve to death. So here's what I think may be happening. I don't know if Bitcoin is the right bet. What I do know is that this guy has got a bunch of graphs. Look at this one. Federal Reserve weekly remittances to Treasury. Woo! Something happened in 2023, and it went sharply negative. That's, I got no idea what that means. I mean, unrealized gains, losses on investment securities. Woo! That looks really bad. Maybe this guy is just trying to buy Bitcoin. Maybe he wants you to buy it because he told you to, so the price skyrockets and it's good for him. Or maybe he's just honest and he's telling the truth. And he's speaking out against the lies. The problem is the corporate press and the establishment lied in 2008. So why would anyone believe them? Me? I don't. So maybe I should have bought more Bitcoin a while ago. Maybe after it fell down to like 19K from 65 or whatever it was at, I should have bought a bunch. Well, it's not about buying one. It's about buying fractions of. You can, you can put $1,000 into it. And if it triples in value, now you got three. But this means another thing. Bitcoin may not be improving in buying power. 
it may not. I mean, it is. Look, obviously, if you put five grand in and you had 200 million today, that's a dramatic increase in the, in the buying power of the Bitcoin. But it's also the declining buying power of the U.S. dollar. If the U.S. dollar, if it used to be a dollar 80 for a carton of eggs, now it's six bucks, that's a failure of its buying power. Because of that, you will see Bitcoin go up the same as eggs will go up. The value of the dollar is going down. So the dollar against everything else, everything else becomes more expensive. He goes on to say, here are the remaining references as Twitter has a limit. I am moving $2 million into USDC for the bet. I will do it with Medlock and for one other person. Sufficient to prove the point. See my next tweet. Everyone else should just go buy Bitcoin as it'll be much cheaper for you than locking one up for 90 days. Full, full pause real quick. I am not advising that. I don't know what you should do. I have Bitcoin. I like Bitcoin. You should talk to someone who knows about finance because I certainly don't. Terms of the bet. Ideally, someone can set up a smart contract where Bitcoin is worth more than 1 million in 90 days. Then if I win, then I win. If it's worth less than $1 million in 90 days, then the, crypt, the counterparty gets the $1 million in USD. Holy crap, what? I didn't think he was necessarily suggesting that. That's what he's suggesting. He's suggesting outright that Bitcoin will be worth more than $1 million in 90 days. I don't think so. And I'm the guy who's been saying for years that a Bitcoin will hit $1 million. I genuinely believe it. I have always believed it. I believe Bitcoin is headed to over a million dollars. I don't know about 90 days, though. That's one of the reasons I bought. But if that's the case, maybe I should invest. If it's worth less than one million dollars in 90 days, then he's going to give one million dollars. So are you kidding me? I might take that bet. Wow. Hyper Bitcoinization. He says we have to define hyperinflation in BTC versus USD. OK, fair point. That's what I was saying earlier, because uh, all other fiat currencies can and will be inflated away. That's hyper Bitcoinization. This is the moment that the world redenominates on Bitcoin as digital digital gold, returning to a model much like before the 20th century. What's going to happen is that individuals, then firms, then large funds will buy Bitcoin, then sovereigns like El Salvador El Salvador is incredible, by the way. Read their story. Shout out to Max Kaiser and Stacey Herbert and tiny crypto friendly countries. The big move will be when a U.S. state like Florida or Texas or a normal country like Estonia, Singapore, Saudi, Hungary or UAE buys Bitcoin. And then Narendra Modi tells India's central bank to buy Bitcoin as a hedge. It's over. Why will it be so fast when hyperinflation hyperinflation happens fast? We've seen digital pandemics, digital riots and digital bank runs. Everything will happen very fast once people check what I'm saying and see the Federal Reserve has lied about how much money there is in the banks. All dollar holders get destroyed. The thing is, people are still tuned to an analog world where things get gradually worse rather than all at once. This is absolutely correct. I agree with that point. Everybody lives in this world where they think things take time. They do. But with the spread of information, things can snap and happen overnight. It used to be, and I talk about this a lot, that when we declared independence here in these United States, we sent we wrote up a letter, sent it to the crown, took three months to get there. He reads and goes, they're what? They're independent. Send troops. After a month of preparations and a return letter, a three month trip on the high seas, they come back and say, here's our response. Six months went by today. You send a text message. I declare independence. They respond instantly. He says this. 
People are still tuned to an analog world. It's still ones, in, uh, but there isn't much forewarning for a digital event. It's a one and then a zero, just like the bank runs. There are, however, two sources of forewarning. First is the chart of the long-term depreciation of USD versus BTC from less than $1, blah, blah, blah. Much of the smart money has been voting against the dollar. This tweet is a second forewarning. It'll be ignored and mocked by people who still trust the U.S. establishment even after the last few years, who can't imagine that the U.S. banks and media could be lying to them to this extent. But they are, just as they did in 2008. And over the last 10 years, the digital devaluation of the dollar is coming, and it's going to be intense. Look at this. Wow. He posts an image of the dollar against Bitcoin down 98.76%. Woo! Okay. Here's the thing. My buddy, Balaji, I believe you. I, 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 I think you are being completely honest in, in your assessment. I think you've done the research. I want to take your bet. Hands down. I want to take your bet. You know why? Bro, it's not about proving you're right or wrong. It's about you gave me too sweet of odds. Like, you're telling me to risk $20, $26,000 and then wait three months and I could have $1 million? It, I don't even, I, I, I assume you are correct and you may be right. So what I'll do is I'll buy two Bitcoin, save one for myself, wager the other one, and my worst case scenario is the $52,000 that I spend right now, I end up with a million dollars because you're suggesting a Bitcoin's going to hit a million bucks. I am okay with that wager. To be honest, <laughs> I don't know if I can bet, put $26,000 on a roulette wheel. You know what I mean? But I suppose 40 to 1 odds. And I don't know if I believe Bitcoin will hit a million bucks in 90 days. Woo, maybe one of you guys wants to take up that bet. Um, I'm, I might do it. Maybe I, I, we got, I got to bring, we, I got to talk to this guy because I think maybe we do it as a stunt because the risk to me would be so incredibly low, but we make a tracker. We'll do a Bitcoin price tracker. We'll do a wager and we'll be like, who's going to get the cash in the end? And I'll say it outright. Like, I actually don't think he's wrong, but I think his timeline is way too fast. I think the banking crisis is here. I'm showing you the stories and I'm saying the media lies nonstop. But to come out and be like in three months, one Bitcoin's a million dollars. Yo, I don't know if I would make that wager. That being said, I learned my lesson on Bitcoin, man. And he makes a really, really good point. When the governments say hedge with Bitcoin, it will shatter one million dollars. And maybe that happens soon. Now, I personally have some, but I don't got that much. Maybe I should start buying more. Maybe I'll finally learn my lesson. We'll see. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. And there's our confirmation. It seems that the indictment of Donald Trump is coming, and the evidence, Robert Costa, Costa reports, he's chief election and campaign correspondent for CBS News, says steel barricades arriving outside Manhattan criminal court. And that is it. An eight second segment where barricades are being unloaded by the NYPD outside of the Manhattan criminal court where they believe Donald Trump will be indicted. Now, I don't know that Donald Trump will actually be arrested and face a perp walk, but the GOP is striking back. House GOP targets Manhattan DA 
as possible Trump indictment looms. I do not believe they would put out these barricades unless they knew it was going to happen. Why? Donald Trump said they're going to arrest me on Tuesday. Protest. Now, the argument may be the NYPD says or the New York City government, look, whether he's indicted or not, people are going to protest, get the barricades ready. I doubt it. Trump supporters are not the kind of people to go out unless a thing happens. In fact, even when a thing happens, it's hard enough to get Trump supporters to come out. If Donald Trump does get indicted, I don't think we will see strong protests, but that's what they're worried about. They are not, in my opinion, worried that Trump supporters will randomly show up if Trump is not indicted. There's got to be and there's got to be something to react to. Now, the extradition is where things get interesting. And Ron DeSantis has actually issued a statement when he was asked all about this. I think I should play it. Um, actually, I don't know if I have the full statement here. Let me see if I get a, a different one. We got three minutes and 45 seconds. But I do think it's from Jenna Ellis. You should hear what DeSantis has to say, because he targets the fact that it's a, a George Soros funded district attorney. It's political. He doesn't want to be involved in it. He's focused on Florida. These are all very important things. But I do think the important question here as it pertains to the bigger picture, not just DeSantis potentially running for president, but the extradition of Donald Trump. If New York indicts and Donald Trump is in Florida and Florida says, F you, we will not send Donald Trump back for your political garbage and Trump refuses to go. Then what? New York petitions the federal government. They say he's a criminal in our state. We want him, but Florida won't cooperate. What do you do? We are talking about the first ever of its kind indictment. It is the indictment of a former U.S. president, and it is pitting the red states against blue states. And oh boy, I have no idea where that goes. Let me play for you the statement from Ron DeSantis. You can see his uh, his breakdown of this. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I have the I have the audio improperly playing as I do every single time that I do this. And let's start it back over. Yes, ma'am. Okay, you can't hear a word this woman's saying. Patton district attorney Here you go. is a Soros funded prosecutor. And so he, like other Soros funded prosecutors, they weaponize their office to impose a political agenda on society at the expense of the rule of law and public safety. He has downgraded over 50% of the felonies to misdemeanors. He says he doesn't want to even have jail time for the vast, vast majority of crimes. And what we've seen in Manhattan is we've seen the, sky, the, the crime rate go up and we've seen citizens become less safe. And so you're talking about this situation with, and look, I don't know what goes into paying hush money to a porn star to, to secure silence over some type of alleged affair. I just, I can't speak to that. But what I can speak to is that if you have a prosecutor who is ignoring crimes happening every single day in his jurisdiction, and he chooses to go back many, many years ago uh, to try to use something about porn star hush money payments, you know, that's an example of pursuing a political agenda and weaponizing the office. And um, I think that that's fundamentally wrong. I also think it's important to point out when you're talking about these Soros-funded prosecutors, yes, they may do a high-profile politicized prosecution, uh, and that's bad, but the real victims are ordinary New Yorkers 
ordinary Americans in all these different jurisdictions, that they get victimized every day because of the reckless political agenda that these Soros DAs bring to their job. They ignore crime and they empower criminals, and that hurts people. It hurts a lot of people every single day. The Soros district attorneys are a menace to society, and I'm just glad that I'm the only governor in the country that's actually removed one from office during my tenure. I just got to pause there real quick and kind of highlight this. I like DeSantis, but he said, I'm glad I'm the only one who's removed one. I think he's misspeaking, but that didn't sound good. Let's think about things. I'm glad I'm the only one to remove. No, 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 no. We would be glad if they were all removed. So he should say, I'm sad. I'm the only one who's actually done anything about it. They're clapping anyway, though. Come on. Listen. And in terms of um, our, 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 we are not involved in this, won't be involved in this. Uh, I have no interest in getting involved in some type of manufactured circus by some Soros DA. OK, I like he's it. trying to do a political spectacle. He's trying to virtue signal for his base. Uh, I've got real issues I got to deal with here in the state of Florida. We're obviously shutting down uh, CBDC, which is important. We've got so many things pending in front of the legislature. Uh, I've got to spend my time on issues that actually matter to people. Uh, I can't spend my time uh, worrying about uh, things, things of that nature. So, so we're not going to be involved in it in any way. Um, I'm fighting for Floridians and I'm fighting back against Biden. That's what I do every single day. And that's basically what it gets down to. I think the, the big point here is I do believe the reporter uh, may bring up extradition. I'm not yep. sure. I could just want to hear that. But maybe not. Maybe a. Yeah, for some reason, the, ch- the other channel is not coming through, so I'm not hearing what else is being said right now. But. Uh, Seems to be about it. I want to make sure. I want to make sure that the, the statement runs through. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, let me let me just double check while we're here because this is a, an extremely important point. I do believe he's saying outright we will not be involved, and he will not uh, uh, extradite. So check this out. We do have it confirmed. DeSantis says he won't get involved with Trump's potential indictment in any way. The government can intervene in, in, in an extradition matter if it is contested under Florida law. In his first comments, we all, we all uh, heard what he said. We're not getting involved. They say under Florida law, the governor can intervene in an extradition matter if it's contested. But Trump's lawyers have told media outlets the president would likely surrender if he is indeed indicted. Trump's announced, Trump announced on Saturday he could be arrested. We get it. Now, here's where the GOP is stepping in. This is where things are getting bonkers. New York as a state. The Southern District of New York is, is a man. It's a Manhattan DA going after Trump. This is these are state charges. Florida is where Trump is. And they're like, we're not going to be involved. And now the federal government's targeting or members of the Republican Party and the federal government are targeting New York. Can I can I is, is it OK? Can I say civil war? Come on. OK, sure. I don't know. Maybe not. Whatever. Here we go. House Judiciary Chair Jim Jordan and senior GOP leaders are preparing to demand testimony from members of the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg's office amid reports of an imminent indictment of President Trump, former President Trump. Republicans are discussing firing off letters summoning employees of the Manhattan DA's office for sworn testimony, according to a GOP official familiar with the plans. We have the letter, my friends, from the House Judiciary GOP. It says, Dear Mr. Bragg, You are reportedly about to engage in an unprecedented abuse of prosecutorial authority, the indictment of a former president of the United States and current declared candidate for that office. 
This indictment comes after years of your office searching for a basis, any basis on which to bring charges, ultimately settling on a novel legal theory untested anywhere in the country and one that federal authorities declined to pursue. If these reports are accurate, your actions will erode confidence in the even-headed application of justice and unalterably interfere in the course of the 2024 presidential election. In light of the serious consequences of your actions, we expect that you will testify about what plainly appears to be a politically motivated prosecutorial decision. Oh, boy. The New York County District Attorney's Office has been investigating President Trump since at least 2018, looking for some legal theory on which to bring charges. The facts surrounding the impeding indictment have been known for years. Michael Cohen, President Trump's disgraced former lawyers, pleaded guilty over four years ago to charges based on the same facts at issue by the impending indictment. But by July 2019, however, federal prosecutors determined that no additional people would be charged alongside Cohen. Now, in the words of one legal scholar, you are attempting to shoehorn the same case with identical facts into a new prosecution, resurrecting a so-called zombie case against Trump. Okay. I don't know what they can do. Make them testify. I don't know what to expect. Part of me cannot believe that there will be an indictment of a former president in this way. The other part of me says they will stop at nothing to come after Trump. And with the deployment of these barricades, I got to say, it's starting to feel like they are getting serious about these moves. So what more can be said other than we will wait and see tomorrow morning. We will know whether or not they will indict Trump. And you know why Donald Trump says that he will surrender? If Donald Trump is indicted, I believe it will push him towards re-election victory. I believe based on the current state of facts as of today with the banking crisis and the economic crisis, Donald Trump today stands to win. Tomorrow, that may be different. There are many variables we need to, we, we, we can't predict. But if they arrest him and make a martyr of him and have people in this country start getting real scared about what's going on with Democrats weaponizing their positions of authority, it's going to wake up a lot of people. Now, don't get me wrong, the Democrat cult will double down, but I think moderates will shift away, very seriously shift away. So these are the latest updates. I don't want to do a complete rehashing of the Trump indictment story, but seeing this uh, video about the barricades being deployed says a lot. And then DeSantis's responses are all breaking news, but I will keep this one short and leave it there. Next segment is coming up at 6 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Part of me absolutely loves this. And part of me is uh, horrified by it. We have two stories. The first, CNN reporter gets robbed while working on story about San Francisco's rampant street crime. Yeah, they smashed into the back of the car and they stole CNN's equipment. Ha 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 ha. You may have heard this story. But we also have this thread from Snehal Antani talking about people being robbed in San Francisco once again. And this story is revealing And I'm sorry, it's deliciously hilarious. Now I know many of you may say, do not mock the misfortune of others. And you're correct. I feel bad for these people. But yo, these people in San Francisco keep voting for the same thing. So I cannot help but sit back and say, you deserve it. Not like you deserve to be wronged. No, 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 no. Hold on. If you vote for school funding and your schools get funded, you deserve it. You fought hard for that funding and you've gotten it. You deserve it. If you train every day to run and then you enter a running competition and you run better than everybody, 
You deserve that win because you worked hard for it. And if you are a lazy, ignorant, mindless cultist who keeps voting every day for these psychopaths, you deserve it. And I hope you get more of it. Here's the story. He tweeted, a teammate visiting San Francisco for an offsite called me frantically last night after dinner at Fisherman's Wharf. They came back to a smashed car window and two stolen backpacks, $10,000 in gear lost, passports gone, etc. Now I'll pause here. Yes, I get it. These people are not from San Francisco. My point earlier is about the people who live there, who keep voting for it. This is what you get. Now, if you are ignorant and go to San Francisco without knowing anything about this, yeah, I mean, that's also partly your fault, too. This stuff's been going on for a long time. The city's in disrepair. You need to speak up about it. Anyway, he continues. Laptop bags were in the trunk, nothing visible from the street. A typical description of a smash and grab, yet thieves were able to find the specific car and knew to pull the rear seat down and reach into the trunk. How? How? This is explained. These aren't homeless ransoming smashing windows. These uh, randomly, I think he meant to say. These are professionals using Bluetooth scanners to find laptop bags and idle iPad Bose headphones all emit Bluetooth. And let me guess, it was the rear window facing the street because thieves drive up to the car, open the door and smash and grab. A witness must be directly behind the thieves. Uh, RJC anything. Huh? All other views are blocked. My teammate said his companion was on the phone with police, to which I said they don't care. Maybe they'll show up in a few hours. They'll likely make you go to the station, but this happens thousands of times per week. So now I need to include a pre-visit security brief to people traveling San Francisco. This is a big reason I'm hesitant to open an office in the city versus keeping remote team and occasionally meeting up at a location to whiteboard. And my teammates will be scarred forever. Being robbed hits you at your core, especially when it's thousands of dollars of loss. There is no downtown recovery without an aggressive push for safety, London Breed. So this is Sneho Antani, I believe, uh, lives there. I'm not entirely sure. But uh, I will just say, this is what you get. You vote for it, you get it. Don't know, don't care. You know, I have friends who are lefty woke people. It's true, I know. And all these people are like, you don't have any friends. Who Dude, come on. As if I didn't know people 10 years ago at Occupy Wall Street. Yes, political divisions are bad. But I have some friends. Sometimes we don't. Uh, we, we talk very little. Sometimes we talk a lot. I have a couple friends I haven't talked to in years because of how insane things have gotten. And I see their posts on social media. And I think you deserve it because you're evil. You know, it's the banality of evil. Yeah, there are a couple people that come to mind. They seem uh, really well-known, well-known, high-profile people. And they do everything they can to be nice. And they post on social media all the mindless platitudes of woke orthodoxy. And I'm like, you are destroying everything and you don't care. You literally don't care. I know they don't care. Because they hear something from a friend and they go online and they're like, I'm going to be snarky and snooty and tell you why I'm better than you. The police are bad. And now San Francisco is in decay and disrepair. Now, at least I can respect this. Dude's calling it out. I appreciate it. I'm not going to rag on this guy. I'm not, these, the people who got robbed weren't living there. I think this guy does. He's calling out the, the mayor, London Breed, saying something's got to be done about it. 
And I can respect that because people need to speak up. This is part of solving the problem, speaking out about it, calling out the crises and saying the next mayor will win by running on a simple platform, safe neighborhoods, clean streets, great public schools. You know, clearly the dude is still a lefty with his great public schools response. Fine. But at least he's calling out the crime and the problem. As for the CNN reporter, this one's just so funny. March 17th, got robbed again. Jason uh, K, CNN and I were at City Hall in San Francisco to do an interview for CNN. We had security to watch our rental car, crew car. Thieves did this in under four seconds. Security stopped the jerks from stealing other bags. But seriously, this is ridiculous. Here's the funny thing. They had security there and the smash and grab still happened. You know, it's kind of crazy watching uh, that show 1883 when the dude is walking down the street in this town. I think it was in like Dallas or Houston or something. And then some dude uh, apparently pickpockets him or something. At first, he says, like, he bumps into a guy and he's like, where's my wallet? That's not what you're talking about. He punches the guy in the face. Then he searches the guy who doesn't have it. Then he looks over and sees someone frantically running and he goes, him. Shoots him in the back with a shotgun, walks up, gets his wallet back. And then, yeah, when the crowd's gathering around, he goes, he stole my wallet. And then he puts it in his coat and walks away. And they throw a rope around his neck and string him up, killing him on the spot. Dude, I don't believe that. There's another scene where they accuse these, uh, I don't know, these guys, bandits or something at a bar of killing this woman's kid. And it, and it did. And it's, it's complicated. But anyway, they just walk in like, who did it? And like, it's them. And he goes, OK, bang, 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 bang. He shoots and kills them all. And I'm like, dude, OK, I don't believe that's how things ever took place. Like everyone just randomly killing each other. I certainly believe there was murder and crime in the Wild West and you could die at a moment's notice, but a little too much. That kind of idea. Oh, look at this. Wow. Our hide security guard tried to grab the crooks. We got a picture of the getaway car and they'll change getaway cars. Here's here's my point. It used to be crazy. If you broke the law, you would get. Well, I mean, at least in that TV show strung up. But at the very least, I think they'd beat the crap out of you. Now, no one does anything. Car pulls up, destroys someone's life. They're gone. And I mean destroyed in the figurative, figurative sense. Like if you've got a laptop and you've got your work on it, you've got your college papers and you've got everything, your banking stuff, and they steal that, oof, that is going to hurt bad. But nothing gets done about this. The police won't do anything despite the fact that they can easily do something about it. Regular people who live nearby, they won't do anything about it. And they will all keep voting for the same thing. They will keep voting for the same people. They will keep voting for the same Democrats, and it will only just continue to get worse. So what more can be said? You reap what you sow. And if you keep voting for these people and you keep voting for this system, then so be it. Do not expect people like me to give you any sympathy. These, these, these people, even these senior reporters, I bet they vote Democrat. I bet, they, I bet they go to cities like this, they vote for more of it, and they're like, oh, oh, gee golly, I can't believe I'm being victimized again. And I'm just sitting back like, I'm in MAGA country, baby. We got guns. I'm not worried about it. Don't pull up on my property. I will defend my life. Because you do not get the benefit of the doubt in West Virginia. If you are attempting to break onto my property, the only thing I can assume is a threat of lethal force, and I'm allowed to. Because I will be damned if I have to assume the dude who is armed and breaking into my home has nothing but good intentions or they simply want to take a computer and they'll be on their way. Don't harm them. Let them have the computer. 
Why? It's not worth their life. No, I am under no obligation. The victim is under no obligation to assume safety. You break into my house. Don't be surprised if we defend ourselves with the best to, to the best of our abilities. And you know what? It's legal. As for these crackpot states where they ban guns and they scold you if you dare do anything about it, you deserve it. But you know what? These people stay there. They stay there. They live there. They seem to enjoy it. So far be it for me to complain, right? Now, just don't destroy it and then move somewhere else. That's the problem. Based on the voting patterns in Texas and Florida, it seems like the people who moved out learned their lesson, which is surprising to me because I thought they would bring with them a lot of woke people. But no, Texas and Florida election uh, uh, voting patterns seem to indicate that all the good people left and said, I ain't voting for that anymore. I was talking to some locals recently, and they asked me where I was from, and I said, uh, not from here. But I moved here recently, in the past couple of years, because the people here are better. And they smiled, and I'm like, you know, I fly the American flag in my house. That's the easiest way to explain it. The people in, in, in West Virginia tend to be more understanding of hard work, meritocracy, and responsibility. Whereas in these big cities, everyone says, don't look at me, I ain't getting involved. I'll leave it there. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I'll see you all shortly. Joe Rogan, always dropping those truth bombs. My attitude, though, is Joe, Joe, you got to get out in the forefront a little bit. Um, here's how I see it. Here, here's the story. Joe Rogan says the culture shifted and now the left embraces war, censorship, big pharma and authoritarianism. I want to play this clip for you. It's not that long. And uh, my point with this segment, though, is let's talk about it. let's talk about when you know what's happening, stepping up and getting in front of it. And I think Joe does a really good job. And I think there may be some strategy as to why Joe's a little bit behind culture warriors like us. And I'm not saying that to, to rag on the guy because I'm a huge fan and I'm very grateful to uh, Joe's help, not just career wise, but also when I was very sick. But I think strategy wise, there are some things I want to talk about. Let me, let me play this clip for you so you can hear it right from Joe's mouth himself. The culture shift between right and left authoritarianism, and now people don't recognize that the, if you just stopped looking at it in terms of red and blue, look at the actions, whether it's war, suppression of free speech, uh, pharmacological interventions that are mandatory, right. whatever, whatever, whatever the fuck it is, that used to all be associated with the authoritative right, the authoritarian right, and now those things are being embraced by the left. And I just think it's, a, I think it's just an ideology thing. And I think we get confused and we think we're on the right side. We're on the right side. And if it's our side that's saying this, for sure, that's the right thing to do. And no one's critically thinking about this. He is completely correct. And this is the funny thing. How is it that you can have people simultaneously claim to oppose the military industrial complex, but then also be like, woo, war in Ukraine, send another hundred billion dollars. Where do you think that money goes? Someone's got to manufacture all those weapons that they're using. Somebody's getting paid. It is a racket. War is a racket. It's always been. The United States wants to prop up the petrodollar, fluff up its economy. And Donald Trump shocked the left when he came out and said, we're doing these weapons deals with Saudi Arabia. It's tremendous. We're going to make so much money. And then they were like, I can't believe he's just coming out right and saying it. So what, that, that's what I noticed. And I'm sure most of you noticed it as well. What's happened is, the way I describe it is you have this big ball of American culture. Imagine, imagine a ball right here, and it's split in the middle with left and right, a little gradient in the middle. And then this weird growth starts sprouting on the top left, left side, and then it bubbles up and then chlops off 
And now there's this weird cult left. And then there's the actual left and right. Now, I think that I'm probably left leaning in a classical sense. I think that's fair to say. That means that if I sit down with someone like Ben Shapiro, we're going to disagree on many political things related to tradition, family, libertarianism, because I fall in the more left side of the American political spectrum. Leftists, however, in this country believe whatever random crap they're told to believe because that's what wokeness is. It is the modern left liberal culture of it's fabricated by algorithms on social media, characterized by cult like adherence to the cultural orthodoxy. I've been talking about what wokeness is for a while. They have no real plans. They have no real goals. They have no real ideology. They are simply spinning themselves in a zombie circle. Now, Joe Rogan comes out and says, look at what they are doing. They're embracing all of these things. Yes, because zombies are easy to manipulate. They're puppets. They will say and repeat whatever they're told to say and repeat. So if you're a big evil corporation or authoritarian, that's the group you target. Yes, for the rest of us. Meritocracy, personal uh, personal responsibility, individual liberty. I mean, we're all there. Whether you're liberal or conservative, whether you're pro-life or pro-choice, pro-progressive tax, pro-flat tax, whether you want secure borders or more immigration, those don't seem to matter. Whether your economic policy is staunchly on the left or right doesn't matter. If you're on the left and you disagree with their social orthodoxy, then you're on the right. That's exactly how they define it. But let's talk about uh, the culture war and uh, Joe Rogan. Simply put, I think Joe is not a culture warrior, but he's smarter than most people. And so probably one of the most beneficial tools, a mainstream comedian of massive uh, 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 positive reputation speaking out on these issues. However, I believe that Joe needs to be further out in the forefront. And what I mean to say is Joe should have endorsed Donald Trump outright in 2020. I mean, that's just my opinion. Now, I'm not going to bother him and be, I'm going to call him on the phone. Like, Joe, you need to endorse Trump. But I'll say this here simply as uh, from a political perspective and a cultural perspective. Uh, from a personal perspective, let, let's, let's do this. I know Joe Rogan. Personally, Joe, do whatever you want. I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. Culturally and politically, if we were to remove Joe Rogan as a person and just say powerful, influential, cultural personality A, whether it's Joe or anyone else, they know they have an impact culturally. They know their opinions generate news stories and they're paying attention to what's going on and they are worried about it. I believe that individual, whether it's Joe or anybody else, should be coming out and saying outright vote for Donald Trump. It's funny because a couple of years ago, I should say more than a couple of years ago, probably, man, I can't believe how long it's been. It's 2023, everybody. In uh, it was August of 2020, I believe, when I said I was going to vote for Trump, that that he put out his second term agenda. And I said too much of this aligns with exactly what we've been saying. And that's why I did it. I see problems with Trump. I see, you know, he used the State Department website to promote a Trump property. He tried having the G7 at Trump Durrell. I don't like those things. I don't like his character. I don't know if it's befitting of the office. But at the same time, I don't know if my opinion on decorum matters. when We're talking about the functioning of a country. So what I decided was, despite the things I didn't like culturally or socially, the things he's talking about doing align too much with what I want to happen. Therefore, I would be insane not to not to uh, effectively endorse Donald Trump. I say effectively because I didn't say I endorse him. I just said I'm going to vote for the guy. I likely will vote for him again in 2024. We will see if they arrest, if they indict him and arrest him. Yeah, I may go. 
I may just be like, he's got my vote. Sorry, Ron DeSantis. Ron may run. Uh, I just, I, I'm assuming he's going to run, but I don't know. A year ago, I said the opposite. I said DeSantis seems to be the guy. And this was because Trump wouldn't shut up about 2020. And so he was out of the picture as far as I was concerned. Now, where are we? East Palestine, Ohio, the McDonald's for the first responders, a real human approach that was fun, funny, and heartwarming. Something, some levity. People really need that in a disaster. But he showed up. Nobody else did. And look, Biden goes to the other side of the planet. Benny Johnson shows up and actually helps people. But where's, uh, uh, where's anybody else? Where's, um, who's that lady? I can't even, what's, what's her name? Oh yeah, Nikki Haley. Where's she at? She's running for president. She didn't go down. Now, I really like uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. He's a smart guy. He's, and he's excellent, especially on cultural issues. I think he should have gone too. Anyway, more to the point with Joe. I wonder if Joe's strategy is don't go too hard too far because that will actually alienate people you're trying to convince. And if Joe Rogan plays the middle ground and says, I'm not going to vote for that guy. Don't worry. I'm a liberal like you. But take a look at all this information. He's opening the door to so many people to step out and say, good point. And maybe then when people listen to Joe Rogan and they're listening to MMA or they're listening to comedy and then some cultural talk, maybe they catch an episode of mine or Michael Malice's or Dave Smith's. And then they say, I want to listen to more of those guys. And then they listen to more of us and they go, hey, these guys are making really good points about <laughs> about voting for Fetterman or for uh, voting for uh, Trump. I say Fetterman because Michael Malice keeps saying that Fetterman's his choice candidate. And uh, fair point, fair point, um, because Fetterman is broken. Voting for him is basically, I don't know exactly what Michael's position is, but it's basically like you're putting a broken guy in office. Let the system rot. It's funny. <laughs> he makes a good point. He was like, it's fantastic that he won. And I'm like, yeah, you know, Michael's got a good point. Right now, there seems to be this overlap with uh, the the Trump MAGA disaffected liberals and libertarians. A lot of anarchists, a lot of libertarian friends. They're rational, they're reasonable, and they're having arguments with me. And they tell me to vote libertarian. And I'm like, but I don't view Trump as the lesser of two evils. Now, Dave Smith said that Trump was the lesser of two evils. And I'm like, I don't I don't think so. I don't. It's like the first time in my life I've not felt this way. Trump may not be perfect, but like on a scale, uh, what did I say? It's like a 55% or 60%. Yeah, sure. Dave Smith would be like an 80%. Like I'm talking about like 100% being the best candidate, 0% being the worst. Everybody's been a one to 10. Like there's some good things they do. Dave Smith would probably be an 80. But we also got to think about who's going to win. And that's the challenge, I guess. Because I don't, I'm not sure the libertarians can win. And they, they all try to convince me you got to vote for libertarians. But my point is just this. We got to win culturally. So having Dave Smith on a debate stage with the Democrat and the Republican, 100%. Maybe the Democrats would even entertain that because it'll split the right vote. I don't know. All I know is this. I'm glad Joe Rogan came out and he said this. I am glad every time Joe Rogan says everything he says about politics to his audience because it is massive. And regular people I know who are lefty listen to this, and it does change their minds. Personally, I think Joe would go a long way in helping fix this if he came out right and said vote Trump. What he said so far is he would vote for Trump over Biden. That's big. Maybe by 2024, he's going to be like, I'm voting for the guy, man, because the Democrats have lost their minds. I don't know, though. Simply put this way. 
There's a lot of people who are like, Tim Pool's a milk toast fed sitter, blah, blah, blah. And other people are like, dude, he may not be a diehard MAGA Trump supporter who believes everything Trump says and is fully on board, but it is an open door for people to get information and blah. blah. I, see, I see people say that stuff about me. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Look, I say what I say. There's probably some people who are far right and move closer to the middle. Maybe everybody who listens to me moves a little bit closer to the middle because that's where I'm at or something. All I know is this. If you know what's going on, if you've been watching it, how could you not know, right? And so at that point, you just need to say, guys, you need to listen. Vote Trump. Not that he's the perfect guy, not that he does everything right, but it's the best we've got right now for these problems. I don't know. Maybe he genuinely doesn't believe that. Maybe he thinks Trump is the lesser of two evils and he wanted Bernie Sanders instead. I think Bernie's full of it, but I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then.